Hello, fellow rebel capitalists. Hope you're well. So the new GDP numbers are out and they disappointed Wall Street. That's an understatement. Wall Street was expecting 2% and we got 1.1, which would indicate that we're getting closer and closer to the recession that we've been talking about on this channel that the yield curve has been predicting. And maybe more importantly, or just as importantly, we're getting closer to the Fed pause and the Fed pivot. Let's get right into this article from CNBC and go over the specific details. But before we do, I want to remind everyone to get your tickets to Rebel Capitalist Live ASAP. We only got like two weeks before the greatest investment conference in human history. <laughs> We're going to have Peter Schiff, Mike Maloney, Lynn Alden, Chris McIntosh, Jeff Snyder, Brent Johnson, VIP guests like Robert Kiyosaki, Steve Van Meter, the Bond King, just to name a few. So you got to get your tickets ASAP at rebelcapitalistlive.com. I can't wait to see all you guys in Orlando. Okay, let's get over to the GDP numbers from CNBC. U.S. GDP rose at 1.1 in the first quarter as signs build that the economy is slowing. Growth in the U.S. slowed considerably during the first three months of the year as interest rate increases and inflation took hold of an economy largely expected to decelerate even further ahead. And I think it's very, well... Maybe ironic is the word, or maybe even very predictable, that on this channel and other YouTube channels and podcasts out there from people like Jeff Snyder and Brent Johnson and Lynn Alden and uh, Chris McIntosh, this we were talking about this nine months ago, guys. You know that very well. And back then, what was the general consensus view? Oh, no, that the yield curve is dead. It, oh, the twos and tens. It was only inverted for like three days. Uh, nothing to see here. You're just fear-mongering. Okay. And then it stays inverted for three months. Oh, you can't. That, that, the yield curve doesn't matter anymore. You got to look at the, was it the near-term forward spread. That's what the Fed was saying. And the near-term the near -term forward spread inverts. And now it's inverted massively, by the way. And they say, oh, no, yeah, yeah oh, it is true that we that we ourselves, the central planners and authoritarians, said that the near-term forward spread is what you need to look at as the number one recession indicator. But, 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 unemployment is at 3.5%, and there is no chance that we have a recession with unemployment that low. Just look at the good old Phillips curve that has been disproven for decades going back to the 1970s. <laughs> And now the consensus is finally coming around. And remember just like two months ago, it, they weren't even talking about a soft landing. They were talking about no landing, no landing, as in we're not even going to have a recession because the Fed is so amazing and so incredible. The central planners are, are coming off their, their pedestal and just granting us with their brilliance to take us into this smooth landing where inflation is just going to come down, but it's going to do so without unemployment going up. And for the first time in history, it's going to do so without creating a recession. And just forget all those idiots on YouTube. Forget all those podcasters 
Forget all those Jeff Snyder types. They don't know what they're talking about. Now, what is the mainstream saying? Well, okay, maybe there is going to be a recession, but but it's going to be very mild, very mild. You see, we've gone from no inflation or inflation transitory to (laughs) to a perfect Goldilocks to now all of a sudden, you know, the no landing. Now all of a sudden we're at soft landing. And they're just getting closer and closer and closer to admitting that the freaking yield curve was right in the first place. Let's get back to the article here. So like I was saying at the beginning, Wall Street was expecting 2%, got 1.1. And you can see a chart of what GDP has done recently going back prior to the Cervasa sickness. And as you would expect, we had massive decline there when the government locks everyone in a cage. Surprise, surprise. And then they give everyone stimmies and PPP. (laughs) The economy skyrockets. But then it comes down. But now, as my buddy Adam Taggart says on Wealthion, great podcast, the fiscal python, excuse me, the fiscal pig is moving through that python. This is all the stimmies. And people say, oh, George, you always talk about stimmies. They only got them for like one or two months. No, 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 no. You don't understand all the additional welfare benefits that were given to people. How about the fact that people still don't have to pay back their student loan? You don't think that's a stimmy? Absolutely. That's artificial, unsustainable aggregate demand. So you see that pig working through the python right here. And then whoopsie daisy, 2022 comes along and we have negative GDP, negative GDP. And that's when Biden changed the definition of a recession. You guys, I'm sure remember that well. Remember you say, hey, we've had two quarters. How is that not a recession? Or is that how does that not mean that we're leading into a recession? Oh, no, 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 no. That's because all you stupid tinfoil hatters on YouTube, you just don't understand the definition of a recession. It's not two negative quarters of of real GDP, but that was your definition just last week. Well, we realize that, but um, it's just because we forgot to change it once we had that epiphany moment decades ago. And then we see GDP go up slightly, 3.2, but the trend obviously is down. And they were expecting, uh, you know, like I said, it to go from 2.6 to 2.0, we go from 2.6 straight down to 1.1. And let's also keep in mind here, guys, that these numbers are complete fake news because they're adjusting for the rate of inflation. And how many of you watching this live stream right now thinks the government accurately reports inflation? Zero. <laughs> I'll answer for each and every one of you <laughs> watching this video. Nobody believes that. And even though I'm in the the disinflation camp and maybe even a little bit of deflation, and I've been talking about that for nine months, you guys know that prediction I made. And I actually got that one right. But I still, sure, we have disinflation, but the number that the government is giving is still higher, or the actual number is still higher than what the government is, is admitting to. When they were at 9.1, what was real? inflation, you know, probably 15%. And now they're all the way down to five and it has come down, but I'm not saying that it's at five. I'm saying the real rate of inflation has probably gone from 15, what, maybe down to 10, something like that. So if you accounted for the real rate of inflation, we would have had negative GDP. I mean, well, we probably would have had negative GDP in 2019 for heaven's sakes, but we would definitely have had negative GDP starting in uh, 2022. 
and pretty much every single quarter. Hello, fellow rebel capitalists. Got a quick question for you. Are you someone that realizes we are headed straight for an economic recession, maybe even worse? Do you also realize that the government is trying to restrict your freedom, liberty, and privacy on a daily basis? We've all heard in the news lately about central bank digital currencies, and it's not a matter of if we get them, it's simply a matter of when. But although you know we're facing all of these problems, you don't know what to do about it. How do you protect your wealth or grow your wealth when we're dealing with a very volatile economic environment? Or how do you maintain or increase your freedom and privacy when we have this woke Orwellian government that's trying to micromanage your life? Well, fortunately, got some good news for you. I have set up an event that is focused on helping you, the rebel capitalist, find solutions to these problems. It's all set up to help you build wealth and thrive in this world of -of out-of-control central banks and big governments. That event is Rebel Capitalist Live. It's going to be absolutely incredible. It's in Orlando, May 12th to the 14th. We're going to have speakers like Peter Schiff, Mike Maloney, Lynn Alden, Chris McIntosh, Brent Johnson, Jeff Snyder, Robert Barnes, just to name a few. So to get more information on how you can attend this incredible event that's going to give you actionable intel that will help you prepare for the rest of 2023 and beyond, go to rebelcapitalistlive.com, and I will see you in Orlando. So they say, let's see, what's, what did stocks do here? We're going to have to go to the homepage of CNBC and check that out. I'm curious what the market did. Uh, there's just more quotes from economists. The U.S. economy is likely at an inflection point as consumer spending has softened in recent months. And the, here the, the quote goes on to say, the backward nature of GDP report is possible misleading for markets. As we know, consumers were still spending in January, but since March, they've pulled back. Yeah, and also let's remember that we were going through a banking crisis. And even if you believe the Fed solved the problem with Silicon Valley Bank, stupid Valley Bank, and uh, Signature, Credit Suisse, whatever, it, it, it doesn't get past the fact that if you are a bank that still exists, and let's remember First Pub- Republic, they're going bust. I did a story on that yesterday morning or the day prior, and now that's totally coming to fruition. Uh, so you can most, I mean, there's a 99% chance they're going to go bust. So with more of these banks going bankrupt, <laughs> are they going to be lending the ones that do survive? Are they going to be lending more or less in the future? Obviously less. So that means they're going to be creating fewer currency units. That means M2 is going to continue to go down, most likely M1. And that means the purchasing power, although they're going to have balance sheet capacity, the purchasing power goes down significantly. I'm talking about the consumer in aggregate total. And so that's just going to add insult to injury here. It's going to add gas to the recessionary fire. So let's shoot over to the CNBC homepage. And um, actually, I'm going to have to change the screen share real quick, guys. Bear with me. Okay. Now let's shoot over to the CNBC homepage and see how markets have responded. Dow Jones up 326. Okay. Or 126. S&P up 32. NASDAQ up 165. As you would expect, the highest percentage gain is with the NASDAQ. Why? Because if we have a lower GDP number come out that surprises Wall Street, 
to the downside, that means the way the market digests this or the way they interpret it is, oh, great. Bad news is good news because the more bad news we have about the real economy, the more that means or the higher the probability that the Fed is going to hike or excuse me, uh, pause and pivot sooner than later. And the faster they pivot, well, everybody knows that's great for growth stocks. So let's pile into the NASDAQ. My guess is that Bitcoin is quite a bit higher as well. I haven't even looked at it, but let's check that out next. And there you go, 2.19%. <laughs> Whenever, I mean, I, listen, I love Bitcoin. I think everybody should own it to have purchasing power outside of the system. But Bitcoiners, unfortunately, you guys have to be realistic about the fact that who knows what it does in the long term, but definitely in the short term, it's just trading as a leveraged play off the NASDAQ. So if we were to assume that interest rates are going down, Bitcoin's going to skyrocket higher. Uh, the Bitcoiners love to think that this is because of First Republic or this is because of the banking system and everyone's taking their cash out of the banking system and putting it into Bitcoin because it doesn't have any counterparty risk. That's why the price is skyrocketing. Okay. <laughs> I wish it was, but I got to just call a spade a spade here. And if I'm honest, the most likely reason that Bitcoin is going up is simply the same reason that the NASDAQ is going up, and that's because the market expects the Fed to pivot sooner than later. All right, but let's go to over to oil. This is very interesting. 74, and oil was one price that I looked at earlier, 74 bucks. So remember when OPEC Plus came out and said, oh, we're going to restrict supply even further. I think it was by a million barrel. I forgot how much they're going to restrict supply. But remember the price of oil shot up. It was right maybe high 60s or 70, shoots up to 80. And everyone's saying, oh my gosh, oil, the price is going to skyrocket higher. It's going to go higher. It's going parabolic. And then, but if you thought about it, you're like, wait a minute, maybe OPEC is just predicting. They're looking at the yield curve, just like we're looking at the yield curve and saying, hey, in the future, most likely oil demand is going to plummet. So we're going to get ahead of that and we're going to reduce production. So if oil demand does plummet, like we're predicting global recession, global depression, then we're, the price is going to go down, but they're not going to go down as much as they otherwise would have. So we're kind of getting ahead of this recessionary, depressionary curve. And uh, I think that view has been confirmed by the fact that oil shoots up because of the news. And what has it done since then? It's gone right back down to 74. And I would not be surprised if in the next few weeks, it's down where it was maybe trading even lower than it was prior to OPEC plus coming out and making that announcement to begin with. But for most of the rebel capitalists that have a similar view to mine, that we're in a long-term commodity super cycle, this is great news. This is great, great news because the stuff that we want to buy is coming down in price. Now, gold is something that isn't coming down too much in price, but I, I wouldn't really consider gold a, a commodity. That's To me, it's more of a, like a monetary option. But we can look at copper. Let's see what that's doing, Dr. Copper. Let's go to a chart there. And uh, I've mentioned it a couple times in my videos that just if you look at a chart adjusted for inflation, it seems like copper gets kind of cheap around $2.50. So I would love for it to come down to those levels uh, in this next recession as that uh, as that uh, 
for a buying opportunity. So, oh yeah, it's definitely coming down. We were at just prior, look at this, April 12th, we were up at 4.1. Now we're down to 3.8. So this would basically confirm what we're seeing with the price of oil. It confirms what we're seeing today in the lower than expected GDP print. Just great news if you have a lot of those commodities on your watch list. Now let's look at bonds. That's obviously very important to see what the 10 year is doing in response to this GDP print, where if I had to guess, basically flat. So not too much going on there with the 10 year treasury. And that is surprising. All right, guys. So there you have it. The GDP print kind of backs up what our hypothesis has been on this channel pretty much ever since the yield curve inverted. We'll have to keep paying attention to the data and see how this plays out. As always, I want to remind you to stand up for freedom, liberty, free market capitalism. Make sure you get your tickets to Rebel Capitalist Live at rebelcapitalistlive.com. See you on the next video. Look forward to seeing you in Orlando, May 12th through the 14th, where we will definitely be talking about this stuff to a great degree. Deep dives, some intel that you're not going to find anywhere else from all these incredible speakers. We'll see you soon.